Welcome to Human First. My name is David Tilston, and this podcast explores the methods, habits, and processes which allow us to excel as human beings. My aim is to utilize the experience and knowledge of experts from a wide range of different fields and to translate these into easy to follow principles that can be adopted by you to improve your life and those around you. For this week's episode, I welcome a good friend to the podcast, former UK Special Forces and mindset coach Simon Jeffries. Over the next hour, he unpacks his diverse journey to the current day and outlines the many lessons learned, which he now uses to help educate others as part of the team at The Natural Edge. I've been fortunate to work alongside Simon for the last few years, so I knew that this episode would be packed full of insightful points that will be of benefit to all that listen. Let's get into it. Mr. Jeffries, welcome. Thank you for joining me today. Pleasure. Always a pleasure. (laughs) So uh, during this episode, I'm keen to dive into your current projects um, around mind and health. However, I feel it's important to understand how you got to this stage as I believe it highlights the importance and relevance of your work today. So could you provide a short or brief insight into the last 20 years and how you got here? 20 years. Let's see. Let's go for a fast fast run through it. So... um, College, university, there was some travelling in Spurs, so I did a ski season in Canada, cleaned rooms to pay my way, which is interesting. Um, spent a bit of time in New Zealand, then came back and joined the Corps, joined the Royal Marines. Did um, a stint in the General Corps, and then did selection for uh, Special Forces uh, comms, so signals, did a couple of years in that and then did full selection for the SBS and then finished up my career in that. Um, did a total of three tours of Afghan during that time. Got to the point where I basically felt like I'd ticked all the boxes that I want to, wanted to and decided to leave um, just to get more time, basically take control of my time again because it's such a busy life and you are away a lot. So didn't know exactly how that was going to look, but knew it was the right decision. Left my partner at the time, got a job in London, moved there, got a job in a management consultancy. Um, thought I'd give the office life a go. And after about two weeks, decided that was definitely not for me. I did stay in that role for two years, but from that point where I decided it wasn't for me, I was kind of looking for a new path and that subsequently became business, specifically online business. Again, I had no idea how that would look, but knew it was a path I wanted to go and be my own boss. Um, Geographical freedom, I wanted a sort of online business working from a laptop. Went through a whole load of pain, (laughs) maybe still going through it now, over the um, last few years. At one point, you can dig into you know John, so who I run the Natural Edge with, and who basically I've been on the path this journey with the entire time. Um, who I serve within the military, we ended up flat broke uh, after our first business crashed and burned, and ended up living both at my parents in our mid thirties, like stepbrothers, um, earning no money, working from my mum's dining room table, sharing a car. Um, so that was interesting. Out of that, though, came T&E, so, you know, retrospectively, it was a good thing. Um, Started the Natural Edge. That's been a journey in itself through just finding our way with coaching and the best way we see to help people. Um, So, obviously, we worked with yourself, you and Ed, um, and myself and John um, were running programs in that. And then we've moved to now, so it's still on the natural edge, but all we focus on is mindset and mindset coaching. The reason that we went for that, for John and I specifically, that's always been our big area of interest. You know, when we're in the military, we're always looking around the sort of mindset and performance side. Um, It's a lot of work that I've gone through myself. And then through all the programs that we've done in T&E, a commonality that we've seen is when people can unlock the mindset side of things, everything else becomes far easier and follows because there's no two ways about it. It sits at the heart of everything we do. Every single action we take is driven by a thought or emotion and our thoughts and emotions come from basically our state, our internal state, um, which is all linked to mindset. So if you can change that, 
then it doesn't matter whether you want to improve your relationships, if you want a promotion, if you want to be more consistent in your health in the gym, it all begins with mindset. So until you address that, um, it's very hard to make changes elsewhere. And yet nobody treats mindset like a skill um, or doesn't treat it in the same way that they would the physical body. So people understand that you can't just read a book on diet and expect to lose weight. It just doesn't work. And yet people will listen to the odd podcast on mindset or read the odd book and expect long-term changes to happen. It's not going to happen. You, you need It needs to be an active process. Passive consumption of information does not work. You need to be actively embedding strategies that will change your mindset, that will change your behaviours. Um, and that's essentially what we've created with, with what we teach now. So based on the last few years, just sort of looking at the business aspect, what have you learned maybe through, I, I don't believe in mistakes, but what do you believe in terms of a learning lesson that you've derived from these different experiences that you could give to others of significant value uh, where do you think you could have improved or do you think there's something that basically you could give to someone that prevent them from making uh, or wasting time let's put it that way yeah don't start a business that's <laughs> a really bad idea um, <laughs> yeah it's been I think I do, do you know what it's interesting to say I think I believe in mistakes but I don't believe in failure as long as you um, don't let that it's, it's the getting back up isn't it if you stay down um, then that's where I guess you could maybe term it a failure, but same as you, I'm a massive believer. We learn from everything that we do. And we have made so many errors over the past uh, five, six years. Um, but it's easy, you know, all of that stuff has led us to where we are now. So it's very easy to look back with hindsight and say, oh, I wish I'd done this sooner or whatever it was. It's something I've learned and it seems to be a common um, answer I get when I chat to people who do have their own business is it's almost like you just have to go through that pain period you have to go through the process no matter how much you read we did the same I read every book on entrepreneurship and business um, and they talk about all the common mistakes and I'm like yeah never gonna I'm not gonna make those mistakes <laughs> literally made every single one of them uh, it's very different from reading about something as uh, to actually sort of walking the walk I think having finding good and I think this is applicable no matter what you're doing in life, finding good mentors, finding good coaches, um, support networks, you know, groups. There's, you know, I've been a member of quite a few different groups, whether that's business, whether that's fitness, where you get some really valuable information, but actually being careful and doing that due diligence as to who you're listening to. And then it is a test and adjust. Um, John and I definitely try and not fall into the trap of now is perfectionism. And again, it applies across life, but definitely with business, it's very easy to thinking that you need to have the perfect website or the you know perfect materials, whatever it is. Whereas in actual fact, <clears throat> just getting something that is good enough and then getting it out there and getting real world feedback is far more valuable than you sitting and procrastinating over what you think is the perfect option, which doesn't even exist. You're far better off getting that feedback from the real world. Um, because on so many occasions, when we've split tested things, something that we think will work really well, and then we try another options to have with it, and then the other options are far more popular, and it's like just never would have expected it because it's and this comes back to mindset each of us sees the world in our own way and we have our own perception it's really easy to get wrapped up in that but remembering that nobody sees the world as you do is really it's, it's crucial lesson for life anyway but in business as well um, so yeah that test and adjust and not looking for perfectionism is, is a huge lesson we learn so you can almost paralyze yourself through perfectionism effectively because I suppose if you're always, if you've got that growth mindset where you believe that you can always develop, you need to be careful. It's definitely something I've witnessed as well. And just chatting to you in the past about how you can never bring a product out because you never think it's good enough for the market. And in that time, you've probably missed the boat. You've probably missed out on something because you, one of the fundamental growth points for all of us is the fact that we can register and show the fact we are growing and developing. And I think if you put a course out there and you say, yeah, that was me two years ago, but this is me now. If, if people are willing to see that we're growing and not just judge you on things 10 years ago, which unfortunately is happening quite a lot now, people get media dragged up from five years ago and judged on that. It does show 
I think it shows our vulnerability as a human being. It shows our ability to say, look, we're, we're all here to learn and we can only learn by making so-called mistakes. Otherwise, we're, we're always trying to be a perfectionist. And if you're always trying to be a perfectionist, you're going to have to stay quiet because you're never going to make that mistake in the first place. Yes, you've got, to, you've got to be willing to have a bad first draft. You have to be willing to get started. And that applies whether you're starting a business whether it's a piece of work in your job, whether that's your health and fitness, um, you know, say you want to run a marathon or improve your uh, aesthetics, whatever it is, you have to have a bad first draft. You have to start. It's, it's, you can't bypass the process. And if you try to do that, it doesn't work because you fixate on the end result. So either, like you said, it ends up in procrastination and you not getting started and so you continually put it off, whether that is starting a gym program, whether it is starting a business, whatever it is, because you feel like it's never the right time. There's never the right circumstances. Um, you know, you can't do the perfect workout, whatever it is, as opposed to realizing that the power lies in the process. So you need to set your aim. You need to have that direction and understand where you're going. But then you need to really focus on the process and understand that it is a continual evolution all of this stuff never ends you know we see it and everyone sees it in their own jobs there's always going to be something else there's always something next same with ourselves in our own health and fitness you don't win at health and fitness same way you don't win at mindset you can't do an eight-week course and then that's it it needs to be something that becomes a part of your lifestyle and that will change throughout you know what you're interested in or what your goals are but the core uh, drive around it or the, it becoming I guess a part of your identity is how you make consistent progress. I suppose when we look at things like growth points or we look at um, setting goals I mean one of the one of the questions sort of I had for you is in regards to a lot of the industry is very driven towards goal setting what is your opinion on goal setting and do you feel that without it being a leading question, do you feel it can sometimes detract from the experience if you're too focused on that goal? It's, yes, yeah, so you need to, it's striking the right balance. So it's understanding the, I guess, the how and the why, you know, the, the way that you're using goals. So we need to have, we need to give ourselves direction to understand where we want to go. If we're just sort of floating along aimlessly, it's quite hard or very hard to be consistent in our process because we've got nothing that we're working towards um, so having that strong aim towards something is important and then it really gets into understanding the why you want to achieve that and looking at whether it's something that you truly want or whether it's because it's something you think you should want whether that comes from societal expectations, from the peer group you're in, from um, your background growing up and stuff through education or from parents or any of those other influences. It's really understanding your true drivers and why you want to get to that point. And then looking at how much of it is it internal versus those external rewards. You know, external rewards can be useful, but say... If you're you go into the gym and your only drive is to get a six pack and that gets you started, but then you realize actually how much effort and work is going to be required getting up on those early mornings or whatever it is or those sacrifices that you to make. For most people, that is not going to be a strong enough drive if that's all they're fixating on, as opposed to, yeah, okay, that would be a great end goal, but I'm now going to bring the focus into how can I maximize my enjoyment through the sessions? What do I find interesting in this? What can I use to um, build that motivation to continue with the process? Um, and also finding intrinsic enjoyment for the doing the workout for the workout's sake, if you see what I mean. Um, if you have to suffer through every run and you hate every single session to try and get to this point, you're never going to stick to it. And this is where it comes down to as well, finding the right... There's so many different... <clears throat> Uh, methods or journeys that we can go on to get to our end destinations whether that is in you know in in the business world 
what type of business, you know, say, I don't know, maybe your goal is to make a million or something like that. There's so, there's, you know, there's thousands of different ways you could do that. Um, and so it's finding a way that actually fulfills you on the journey towards it as opposed to the end point and the same with fitness. If I just give an example, you know, the journey to joining or passing selection for special forces obviously requires a lot of um, sacrifice and dedication for me, and it's, I'd, you know, I'd love to speak to more guys on it, see if it's a common theme, but I enjoyed the process of training for selection as much, if not maybe more, as passing it. My most satisfying moment on that entire journey was, um, so the jungle phase of selection is, is basically selection. You know, the hills that everyone sees down in Wales where you're marching around. That's really just to get your pain ticket to get to the jungle. It's just a culling process to get rid of anyone who's not um, suitable, um, who you know is not going to last two minutes in the jungle. The jungle is really where selection takes place. And I remember flying out at the end of that phase. So you get a helicopter out of the jungle back to the to the camp you're staying at, um, and basically just sitting on that flight, looking out over the canopy, and just feeling it's just that internal, I guess, moment of. I guess self-congratulation in the terms of I didn't know if I'd passed at that point, but I'd made it through the jungle. And I'd given really everything that I had. So even if I didn't pass, yes, I would be, you know, incredibly disappointed, but I it would have been able to live with it because there's not much else that I could have done. And that was my most satisfying moment um, throughout that process. And so there was no need for the external sort of any gratification around it or from other people. That was sort of my own metric that I'd met, and this is really important. It's, you know, you need to meet your own standards, not anyone else's. Yes, it's nice to get uh, praise or whatever it is from other people, but if your goals and what you're aiming for really mean something to you and you have your own set of standards and you're meeting that criteria, then that's where you, well, I've found personally, really find that true fulfillment and satisfaction. Um, And like I said, I loved the process. I loved, the training towards it, that building up, um, you know, the same with business. It's if you don't enjoy the process, you're never going to stick to it. So goals is a, as, a, as an overall goals are useful. It's understanding why you're setting them and then how you're using them, how you're breaking it down um, as part of the overall process. I suppose because you're sort of reverse engineering if you decide what you want to achieve you can then break down that into manageable chunks and i think one of the or i feel one of the things that holds people back is that they don't know their why mainly because of cultural um cultural issues but mainly because we're bombarded with so much information all the time and it's like you could be this or you could be this and you could achieve this and like you said about the perfectionism almost we can see the same aspect with this where we paralyze ourselves and we're unable to achieve something because we're not focusing like you're focusing on mindset only i think for a lot of people they they don't have that why so they don't know the orientation that they need to be going on because they're being pulled in multiple directions and it's one of the challenges as of being a human being in my perspective if you are a anything any relationship you you have to you have to tick those boxes you can't shirk away from from parent duties or uh, relationship duties so all of those take up time and take up bandwidth so one of the things I was going to ask is what do you feel that people struggle with the most and does it come back to not having that bearing that that compass that intention in the first place yeah it's it's funny enough through there's actually three things that I see over and over again that keep coming up um and the first one is lack of really strong purpose or a clear direction to go in. The second one is uh, lacking or not feeling they have enough confidence or self-belief. And the third one is negative thoughts. So letting negative thoughts or emotions derail um, their mood and then subsequently their actions. But it comes up a lot and it, because it sits or everything else really flows out from that when you this is the difference between the thing the difference between the feeling of hard work and struggle 
So when you're on the, when you're taking action, when you're moving towards something, whether it's a goal or whatever else it, it is, it shouldn't feel like a constant battle, like constant struggle. Yes, there's going to be hard work and you'll have to sacrifice. And you, you, you're always going to have those bad days where it just feels like things are getting on top of you and it's more stressful or whatever it is. But it shouldn't feel like that all the time. There's a common, you'll notice amongst sort of top performers, whether that's athletes, whether that's people in business, whatever it is, it's the, it, it almost seems easy or well, not easy. Um, they don't have that struggle and stress feeling. And it's when you, you marry up that really strong internal drive, really understanding who you are, what your values are and what you're moving towards and then aligning your actions with that. When the actions that you're taking, how you're living are out of line with who you are, it's like friction, like constant daily friction. Everything's stressful. Everything feels harder than it should. And it, it, it shouldn't feel like that. And part of it is like you said, a lot of people don't spend the time and it's not something we naturally do. You know, how often do people really stop and ask the questions of who am I? What do I value? How would I want my life to look? And the reason that most people don't do it is because those aren't, they can provide hard answers that might lead to hard choices or tough choices. Maybe there's questions that come up around relationships, around the job that you're doing. Um, and that can be really, really tough. And I completely get that. But it's the whole easy choices, hard life, hard choices, easy life. If you're always looking for the easier short-term choices, you're just going to have a long, hard life. Um, as opposed to if you can go towards that discomfort for that shorter period of time, your life will be a lot easier overall in the long term. And again, all of this is easier said than done. And again, it can be really hard to do it on your own. You know, A huge part of what we do is having that support network around it, providing structure, providing framework, providing accountability. Um, and I think the big thing with this is to go back to that perfectionism thing. Even if you start asking these questions and perhaps the answers that are coming up are quite hard, you don't have to change things overnight. There are small changes that anybody can make that will just help shift the compass a little bit more towards who you are. Maybe it's changes, you know, simple things like retaking up a hobby that brings enjoyment and a new social circle of friends. Whatever it is, there's lots of different ways we can make changes without big life-changing ones like ending marriages or changing whole careers. There are ways, it's, it's that all or nothing mindset, which is such a pitfall for most people. In, you know, you and I have seen it so much um, in T&E, we like, use the mantra moving average, which means all you need is your overall moving average to be in the positive. You don't need perfection to make progress. And that mantra, it's funny enough, I was speaking to John the other day, out of everything we've done, that mantra of moving average is the stuff I hear feedback on the most. When people switch their mindset to moving average, it's game-changing because suddenly you can't do your perfect workout for 60 minutes. In the past, people just throw it out. And then because they've thrown that one out, they're like, oh, well, I'm not doing the workout. What's the point in trying to eat well? Oh, I've missed that. Uh, you know, what's the point in carrying on? I'll just start next week. And they write for the entire week as one workout. They couldn't do the full one. Instead of going, okay, I can't do 60 minutes. I'll just go for a 10 minute walk. I'll get some daylight in, movement. It's because, and part of it is getting people to understand that the small things is because we're always looking for that big shiny factor because we're sold on it in the industry. We're always looking for these big things that make changes. And it's Bullshit. It's the small, you find any top performer, I guarantee you break down their days. The difference between them and other people are that they are very good at the small, consistent wins. You know, like you and I have talked about before. Sometimes I have weeks where my physical training, maybe I'll get one or two sessions in just because of stuff's going on, but I, I will religiously get some morning daylight in. I'll go for that walk. Um, I'll, I'll be aware of my breath work, my breathing. Um, those small things make a massive, massive difference. And when you get people to see that and find consistency with it, everything else starts to change. There's a, yeah, there's a lot in that to unpack. Um, I was listening to Tony Robbins 
two days ago and he mentioned a quote that I've just been going, it's going over and over and over in my head. And it's basically, I think it's very suited to the time we're in. And he said, comfort creates weak people. Weak people create bad times. Bad times create strong people and strong people create good times. And it made me think, do you find value in getting uncomfortable on a daily basis? That's one of the questions I had for you. Because I think we can really address a lot and ask intrinsic, these these deep questions about ourselves when we get uncomfortable. Yes. What it does, I think what discomfort does, and you'll know this from the military and the reason why in the military, you know, you get sleep divide, uh, deprived of sleep, you, you know, you're cold, wet and hungry a lot of the time and, and push physically is because it very quickly reveals your true character traits. And so that weeds out people because what you don't want in those situations is people who either, you know, people go one of two ways. They either regress into themselves and just don't start helping the team. They basically just look after themselves or don't even look after themselves. They just kind of regress inwards. Or people go the other way. They start getting snappy. They get angry, um, get frustrated. Whereas you're looking for the people, I guess, who fit that commando ethos of humor in the face of adversity, you can still carry on taking the actions that are necessary, even when they don't feel like it, when they're, they're under that, that pressure. Um, and so putting yourself through some discomfort is just a way to get a window into those that sort of subconscious part of you, you know, the self-talk that comes up. How do you react when pressure occurs? And physical discomfort is an easy way to do that. It's obviously you can get emotional discomfort or physical. You know, you probably don't want to go and start an argument with your missus or your partner or your husband, whatever it is, just to see how you deal with that self-talk is probably not a good idea. (laughs) So like trying to put yourself into emotional discomfort in a controlled way is, is quite hard. I mean, one way you could do it is like volunteering for public speaking or something like that. I guess that's a way you could do it without the physical thing because that's quite scary for a lot of people. Um, but things like cold water immersion, like having a cold shower or you know, holding a plank is a really easy one. Holding a plank is such a simple exercise, but it's just horrible. Like it's very quickly, your mind starts telling you to like stop because it just is uncomfortable and it hurts. And so doing those things is a good way to become aware of how you react to that pressure. And I think almost more importantly is your self-talk or um, how you are before taking the action so as you know like the cold water and I had this chat with someone yesterday people think I think people think because of my background I like will jump out of bed and go yes can I get in that cold cold shower cold bin I hate it you know find find me anyone in the military who enjoys being cold like everyone hates it All, all that the difference is, is we've got good being able to sit with that discomfort. I still have that inner monologue every time before getting into the cold that says, don't do it. It's going to be shit. Don't do it. And so the ability to overcome that and still take the action is really powerful. And that then translates into the rest of life. So that's where I think the power of... Um, going towards discomfort, embracing discomfort, embracing hardship is powerful. What you don't want to do is is push it too far. You need to have one foot still in comfort and one foot stepping into into that hardship. Um, It's that controlled exposures to progressively stress inoculation. The more you do it, the better you get at it. You know, public speaking, you don't want to go from zero to speaking to a thousand people in an arena because it would be catastrophic. Um, You know, it'd be an awful experience. You never want to do it again. Whereas, you know, doing it to five people that you may know semi-well or, you know, a small group of people and then expanding from there, it's just progressive inoculation. Yeah, that drip feed of, um, yeah, drip feed of stress is something that, I definitely see a lot of value and I remember starting a new job and then I'd taken a house on and I realized I couldn't afford the house so I was having to work more so in the space of two months it was like right here's three jobs here's a hundred and two hundred mile commute every day deal with it quick and you just go into overload so the body I think a lot of people are coping but they're not excelling and I think there's a big difference in that. I mean, you can probably expand on this from your experiences, but so many people think that they're doing okay 
on that four hour sleep night every single night or they think they're doing okay with that mass commute where they're unhappy but i don't know if you've seen this where yeah people are not excelling because of this they're in standby mode almost one of this week's sponsors is red light rising as always i am keen to promote brands that i use and i believe in for the last three plus years this has been a key part of my morning routine especially with my breath work and it's been done at the same time every day to help improve circadian rhythm and many other things. All of which I go into in the previous podcast with Brian, the co-founder. So for more information, check that out. Otherwise, head to redlightrising.co.uk and use the code HUMAN to save at the checkout. Back to the podcast. Yeah, it's. I think it's that misnomer. People use the word... Just because you got through something, that doesn't necessarily mean you're resilient. You're resilient. To me, resilience means getting through something hard and still having the capacity to thrive and perform well within it. So, like any of us can, you know, you grid stuff out in the military or in life. Because what are you going to do otherwise? Give up? Die? Like you can get through, force yourself to get through everything because you have to. Like you know, you don't basically. It's the the choices are so limited. You just get yourself through. It's how you get through like are you still functioning highly as you go through that challenging time or are you completely stressed out with no capacity to take you know you're basically just not functioning well it's, it's, it's a very different thing I, I, and I think people see being resilient as just getting through something that's how did you get through it how are you functioning how are you performing are you still maintaining good relationships are you still keeping up the foundations of your health um, fitness whatever it is it's it's yeah, it's how you get through those times. And obviously, there's degrees to it. Um, there's nuance like everything in life. But the and it comes back to the the sort of more that you get the foundations in place, the more capacity you have when life throws you those curveballs. It's it's almost like the preparing in the good times um, when things are good. In fact, I wrote an email about it the other day. You know go through those high pressure times in the military same in business where just everything's kind of hitting you at once but how you deal with those is often a reflection of how you've treated yourself in the times outside of that you know you can you can do that in the military because outside of that you're keeping on top of your mental and physical health and the same with business it applies throughout life it doesn't matter what it is um, if you're doing those good things to i guess the energy and activities looking after um, those parts of you so that when it does all go wrong you're in a far better position to deal with it and you can cope with it far better um, and thus come through it in better shape and come through it more quickly um, often yeah I mean reflection and recovery are the two words that spring to mind that we need to reflect and just like we had debriefs in the military I had it in the fire service as well looking at why we do something sitting back and actually giving us the space and time to say was was that correct could have done things better or am i happy with that am i am i content with the way that went and then saying right i need to recover now i need to step back and actually give myself time because it's the misconception with training i think people expect that the results of training appear within the workout itself but as we all know it appears in the days after what i put in my body how much time i gave myself to recover uh, whether i mentally recovered from that as well because otherwise you just using up calories, which I think is a completely uh, crazy metric. I mentioned this on the last podcast, funny enough. It's just like driving your car around the block repeatedly, putting fuel in to drive the car around the block. The intention behind it is, am I actually, am I actually uncomfortable with the way I look? That's the reason why I'm doing this, this workout. Or is it because we come back to the whole process or is it because I enjoy the process? And I think that's why it's so important, whether it's training, whether it's life in general, mindset tasks of any sort, do I enjoy this? And is it bringing me satisfaction in life? Because otherwise, why are we doing this? We're effectively wasting time, which is never a good thing. Yeah, it, it's, if you, it, and it, you know, it doesn't have to be mutually exclusive. We can not be satisfied with the way that we look, um, and have that as part of the drive but also it's that combination you can't just have that if you, you need to find 
satisfaction on the process as well going towards it because the other thing to realize is there's always something that you want to change like everyone you know people look at models and whatever it is and people in hollywood and often they're the most you know you hear the stories of people talking about how insecure about the way they look um, so people that we perceive as sort of having that you know the ideal body or the you know, whatever it is life and stuff um, and it's actually something I've definitely seen through the, the mindset coaching, the, the amount of people who from the outside, you would, th- you know, great job, got the family, got the house, got the place, whatever it is, looks completely set. And that they've got this internal conflict going on, they're struggling with these, these different aspects. Um, you really don't know what somebody is thinking like unless you're in their heads in their shoes you're just seeing snapshots you know even friends um, that you have you, you never truly know what's happening um and so it is important to realize that whatever point you get to whether you're in your body whether you're with business whatever it is you once you get to that milestone you're going to look to whatever the next thing is and so if you're not finding fulfillment on the way to these milestones you're missing out on 90% of the journey of life and you're going to get to the end and look back and just be incredibly disappointed probably um so yeah finding that is the the real i guess that's a real goal of mindset is just finding that daily fulfillment finding fulfillment satisfaction in the little things whether that's a walk in the park or whether that's you know running a marathon um, and when you get to that point and have those days again that really is life changing because you just just every day becomes um, enjoyable and yes you know of course you still have those 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 odd bad times and bad moments but it becomes less and less um, and this is attainable for anyone it just takes work um, it's just a skill you mentioned about people with the perfect life and I, I use that term loosely do you think it's because Comfort almost craves instability. Do you think that we're constantly looking for, I mean, we, if we think of our evolution, no day was probably ever the same. We might've had routines based upon the seasons and the environment, but in reality, the instability would always exist that you could get eaten or mauled or something like that to that extent. Do you think it's almost inbuilt into our lifestyle where we need to find elements that do test us to give us that form of instability so that we don't try and destabilize the base i.e the relationship we're in or the uh the way we earn money or anything like that do you think that's sort of at the root cause um yeah i've not heard it termed that way i don't know i'd have to think on that with the instability i do or have seen that you know we do we're looking for dopamine hits as humans we're driven by that and it's how you get those so there's very you know you can achieve the same hit through different metrics obviously our phones and the modern world are geared to give us those hits through things that if we're doing it a lot spending a lot of time on our screens eating foods that give us those hits whatever it is it's it leads to other problems whereas you can get the same um, or you can find the same stuff through getting out in nature, having an engaging conversation with a friend, um, you know, just simply reading a book or just being, you know, being present, I guess, in the activities that you're doing. I think definitely with, we, we crave that deep satisfaction and fulfillment, but the only way you get that is through hardship. Again, this, you can't shortcut that. You only get it by expending effort and feeling that fulfillment as a result of it when things come easy you just don't get it and so it's like almost a catch-22 you can't bypass that we want it but then we don't want to do the hard work which you can't have one or the other they come as a package you have to go through the the hard work to feel that satisfaction at the end of it that's that really fulfilling inner satisfaction that drives us um so yeah i i think as a wider point again i'm not sure on like instability but the if we try and stay comfortable the entire time and avoid discomfort it will come and find us anyway so if we don't uh, aren't always evolving 
um, and looking to push our boundaries if we try and stay still because everything else evolves around us you know other people evolve the world evolves etc that's going to have consequences and so you know that's maybe when relationship problems show up in your relationship because you're avoiding difficult conversations that actually bring you closer and you've got good communication if you avoid um, doing some exercise in whatever form and obviously there's lots of different ways and you don't have to kill yourself but there's going to have to be some exertion at some point to get the benefit so if you're always avoiding that well probably ill injury illness is more likely to find you so whenever we try and avoid discomfort it's going to come and find you anyway but it's probably going to be far more negative than if you controlled the process and actively pursued the type of discomfort that helps you grow mm. yeah so you're working on that discomfort in almost a controlled setting to preempt the discomfort that could occur in life yeah the chaos yeah of course i mean it actually leads into the second bit do you feel that addition is as or more important than subtraction or do you feel it's the other way around at this time because obviously they're mutually exclusive in the fact that it's a leading question dave because i know exactly what the answer is you know i know the answer that you want (laughs) but some people don't (laughs) but yeah i mean yeah, I mean, obviously we need both in some capacity, but obviously because we worked together for a few years now as well, and one of the projects we were involved with was heavily reliant on utilizing this factor. Yeah, just interested to get your opinion on it, especially now since you've dived into a little bit more mindset work since obviously diversifying. Yeah, it's it's, it's definitely it's both, I think, and it comes down to the individual. But for most people, definitely, um, where we are in the modern world, subtraction is massively underrated and very powerful it's that whole saying no to stuff and removing things because naturally we're sold on always adding more oh you need to add this new thing and you need to do this to progress and find success or whatever it is when actual fact there are so many things you know reducing our time on screens um like for a lot of people how they do their workouts it's it's, it's almost like that dual you get people at two ends of the spectrum, people not doing anything and suffering from it and people just trying to kill themselves all the time and always go hard because that's what they're told and always being injured, always getting frustrated um, with their progress. Just, yeah, again, really negative consequences. Um, Simplification, simplifying life makes such a difference. And I've, I've found that in business. I've found that in daily life. I've found that in my training Whatever it is, when I simplify things, remove the unnecessary bits and just concentrate on the core, the really foundational, important stuff, it, oh God, it makes life so much easier. It, like, you know, it just removes huge layers of stress. Um, yeah, the more you can simplify your life, definitely the, the easier it becomes. And, and again, it doesn't mean that you still can't be striving and involve hard work. Um, but it just, I guess it narrows it down into, um, it narrows your focus, which again is a, is a good thing. It's, it's, um, when we try and do too many things, we end up doing all of them not very well. I suppose the other balance is learning when to say yes, because it could be very easy to, especially in business. If someone says to you, here's an opportunity, you go, no, I'm right. If, if you never say yes at some point there's always going to, you're not going to get to a point where you, you're at the, almost at that um, peak where you can say, right, I don't need that or my time is worth this because that's the other thing. And it's some no has been a great, I'm, I'm definitely at a point in my life where no is a really important factor, probably more so than saying yes, because I'm trying to reduce the amount of hours I'm working, but give more time to the people I'm working with. That's something I'm very keen on. Yeah. It, all of this stuff, it, it, it's almost it's a learning process in itself it's and it comes back to understanding yourself it's for, for each of us we're all going to come up with different answers of the amount of no's or yeses that we say and what we say them to and what we prioritize and this is it, it does come back to the point we talked about earlier the more you understand yourself the more that you are content you know really um yeah comfortable with the, the values that you have, the way that you want to live your life, it 
it makes those decisions much easier because you just weigh it up against that internal compass. You know, is this something that brings me satisfaction that I want to do or is it not? And because you've got that clarity, it makes it much easier to make the decisions and then the knock-on effect of those decisions is much more positive because it's more likely to make the right ones. So it does a lot of the time, as you kind of alluded to, come back to that, do you really know who you are, how you want your life to look or are you just kind of floating through always reacting things and then retrospectively assigning that to who you are to your personality because I've done this this is who I am as opposed to you know, this is who I am and how I want my life to look and I'm going to make this a proactive active purpose and I'm going to make a consistent effort to make choices and decisions that tie into that because the more you do that the easier life will be and the more satisfying it will be um, and it's just something that needs practicing and it can be hard in the beginning because it does take as well. You have to be essentially with mindset work, you know, you've got to be willing, the discomfort comes with being able to look at parts of yourself that you don't like, the bits of a personality that, you, you know, which we all have about ourselves. Um, but without doing that, you're not going to get the complete picture. Um, and without doing that, you're never going to be able to change those parts. And it's so much of that subconscious stuff that sits below the surface. That's what's driving your behaviors anyway. So if you're constantly repeating behavior patterns, you know, if, it's, if you're constantly having the phrase of, uh, you know, I can't believe I did that or I'm going to do this and then you don't do it. If you're always having that happen, there's reasons behind that. You know, you just you just don't know what they are. You're trying to make changes at that very conscious level at the, the, the point the action is taking place. And that never works. It's why it's essentially the boom bust cycles, you know, yeah, I feel good for this week and I'm doing my stuff. Oh no, I've fallen off for a few days or a couple of weeks. Now I'm back on, now I'm back down. And people just bounce between those cycles. Um, yeah. Comes back to that, what you think, feel and do or say when they're in line. That's obviously when we, we find true happiness or contentment. Um, and it just reminded me of a story that well, one of my friends is, uh, Every year he gets asked to work Christmas. He's done the last eight years and every year we go through the same conversation. I said, I thought you weren't working this year. He said, yeah, yeah, no, I'm going to tell him this year because I think that I'm not happy with it. So how do you feel? He said, I'm really angry that I'm, I, I had to do another year. Anyway, two weeks later, I said, well, what happened? He said, well, they asked me and I said, yes, again. So, <laughs> so this is year nine and he's going through this every year. So at some point in that cycle, there's going to be discomfort. He's going to have to turn around and say, I'm not doing this anymore, even because it, it doesn't fit his ethos. He's not happy. He's gone through eight years of it. And I think that's a prime example of a disconnection in one of those three methodologies or, or ways of viewing it that you, you don't think this way. You don't feel like you're happy in this, but every time it comes to saying something, you're holding back on it. And that is creating that discomfort and, and unhappiness long-term. Yeah. And the, the key there is really digging into is actually sitting and truly digging into why do I actually say yes when what I want to say is no. And that's, this is a big component of mindset. It's bringing true perception or bringing your perception to situations to find, find the clarity, to try and remove the emotions from it and looking at the facts. Um, and yeah, trying to gain more clarity on, on what's going on as opposed to which happens most often. Things are clouded by lots of other factors going on. Whereas if we can sit, step back and go, it's why, um, you know, whenever we talk to a friend and they have some problems, it's really easy for us to see the answer. And it seems, you know, it seems crazy that they're not taking the path like when we can see it clearly and yet we can't do it in our own lives because in our own lives, it's all our own uh, bias and emotions and we're in the situation and we can't step back and see that clarity. But with practice, you can start to do that yourself to be able to, as opposed to just being frustrated or just being angry or sad or whatever it is and always just living in these emotions, being able to stop and go, right, okay, why? You know, it's a good little tip just to do it. Something I do is step why is this making me so angry? Why am I getting so annoyed about this? Really asking yourself and looking, trying to dig into the honest answer. Like, is it what I think it is? The surface level thing or is actually something else triggered me here. Okay, why is that triggering me? Why is that creating such a powerful response from me? And really asking yourself that 
it's people rarely do that. They just have that stimulus response and they can't widen that gap between the two. Um, there's a quote by Viktor Frankl, which is basically in between uh, stimulus and response lies a space and in that space lies your freedom. So the, the more you can widen that gap and instead of just reacting to stuff constantly, be able to stop and live in that space and uh, be able to step back and really try and see things a bit more clearly again, life becomes easier because you become less reactive to stuff um, and you really understand the why behind your actions. Because I suppose that stimulus is effectively drawing out the perception of what we think we are. For many of us, the the ego is going to react in some capacity. And I think many of us think that the ego is there to be demolished. But in fact, I've definitely found that it's more about managing it and understanding that that, is an ego is a dynamic thing that changes day to day, week by week, uh, even different times in the day. We're going to perceive what that is differently because I is the removal of uh, labels effectively. So we're trying to understand that we're not the emotion and we're not, we're not going to be stimulated every time we experience something in life and react. But like you said, there is time to pause and reflect. It's so essentially your thoughts and emotions are happening when your internal self so your narrative of how you see the world interacts with external events so when those two collide that's what's producing thoughts and emotions um so it's you know it's the way you see yourself who you are um like the examples i usually use with this is why is one person liberal why is one person conservative um why do well, does a comedian tell a joke and someone finds it offensive and someone finds it hilarious why is that it all comes down to your core belief structure that's been informed by um, your childhood your experiences um, your education evolution ties into it um, and your environment all of these factors have been molding who you are and how you see the world and the way that you see the world is not the same as anyone else. Everyone has their own truth. It's why eyewitness statements are so unreliable in court because you can have 50 people witnessing a, an, an event, ask them to write it down and everyone's slightly different. Even though the factual event is the same, everyone's seen it slightly differently because of their perception. Um, like I'm sure I have had it and I'm sure everyone has it. You know, Say you are watching a film or uh, you read an article and then you discuss that with your partner or someone else and what you've taken away from it is completely different from how they've seen it. Like, oh, I didn't think that. I think it meant this when I saw it. But why is that? Because you've both watched the exact same thing. It's how you've interpreted it. It's how do you interpret the world? Why does someone wear Nike or why do they wear Adidas? Why do they wear Jotno or Arcteryx? Why do you pick Gucci or uh, Burberry, I don't know, whatever. Why do you buy the brands that you do? Why do you drive the car that you do? So if you divorce costs from it, which obviously has an impact, the biggest reason is because it's you see yourself as the type of person who drives a BMW or has a certain brand of clothing or drinks this or eats here. It's because that's who you see as your identity. Until you understand what that is, truly, it's really hard for you to make any long-term changes in life because that is driving everything you do. And you're not aware of it on a day-to-day basis, well, not unless you make it an active process. And so what happens is you just react, you know, thoughts and emotions, as I say, occur, and then you end up taking actions. You behave as a result of that. And people try and always make the change at the end point. They try and change the behavior, and it never works because you've got all this other stuff going underneath um, the surface. And so until you bring start shining a light on that, um, you're never gonna change, basically. Um, and it just takes it just takes an active process, but no one treats it like a skill. It's what we are doing now with with T and E with the with the Tier One um, Accelerator course that we've got is to make it an active process. In the same way you change your physical body, anyone can change their mind. You just need that step by step guidance. The second sponsor for this week's podcast is Ape Nutrition. To find out more about their products, head to apenutrition.co.uk and use the code HUMAN at the checkout to save. That is H-U-M-A-N. Also check out their new product, Pacific Oysters, high in B12, copper and selenium, and a good source of zinc, which is vital for immune function, metabolism, wound healing, taste, smell, and hormonal health. That is 
human at the checkout to save 10%. Back to the podcast. You mentioned mind. I've been warming up for this one. <laughs> How would you differentiate the mind from the brain? Wow, Jesus. Do you want to start taking some ayahuasca and then we can explore that? <laughs> How do you even? How do you even? Um, how do you even answer that? Yeah, I mean, my first thing that pops into my head is what the brains. You could see the brain is just a um, a like physical matter, a processing machine that just you know essentially that is it's sensory inputs. You know, we all again like we're seeing what we see because data is being sent to us from the world around us and then our um, internal yeah brain i guess is taking that and interpreting it and creating it into what we see and what we hear and again it's it's different for everyone and throughout nature it's like you know why can like animals sense earthquakes far before they do there's so much that we you know we're picking up a tiny tiny spectrum of what is going on around us. And this is where you can get really deep into kind of <laughs> lots of different stuff. But um, so I, I guess you could see the brain as just that that processing, almost like our internal computer. Um, whereas the mind, you could then start expanding into, you know, what makes up consciousness, what's, um, which is, Jesus, I think we need Alan Watts type stuff for, for diving into that. You can get, get really, um, really deep with it yeah it's something that that question keeps coming back to me i was asked it years ago and it popped up in a recent course i'm doing and it really made me think i think for a lot of us because we are we're using one part of the body for a lot of our thinking process effectively but when we get that gut feeling it was partly coming back to that that inner feeling trusting our gut i mean we use all these phrases but in my opinion definitely from what i've learned it's the mind is the whole body like understanding that if we do check in with ourselves daily if we do make ourselves uncomfortable we are actually checking in with ourselves as a whole and then we get to experience like what sensation is brought up when i feel this like you said about emotions and if every emotion has a biological physiological attachment to it then you can say right i feel like oh my gosh feel horrendous when i when i when i do this thing i feel uncomfortable and yeah, that, that's something that I've reflected on a lot over the years. Uh, what is the mind and how does that differentiate from the brain? I think as, as a field of study, there's still so much that we don't, you know, the body and mind is so complex. And there's still, although we're always making more intros, inroads into that and the research that's coming out, it's still such a complex piece of machinery we are as human beings. Um, and there's still so much that we, we don't understand um, which is yeah, it's, it's fascinating, but yeah, deep. Gone dis- getting really yes. deep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, saved it till the end. Um, yeah, so just before the last question, where can we find out more about the work you're doing, Simon? Uh, so the easiest thing. So on social media, it's the Natural Edge, um, or the website's NaturalEdge.com. They're probably the two easiest things. And you know, always say feedback on any of this stuff we always love getting so if you've listened to this and want to ask any questions just you know send a message on instagram or, or drop an email through and always respond personally sounds good man so uh, the final question of every podcast is to finish every podcast i'm keen to leave the listeners with some simple routines that they can adopt and apply on a daily basis what principles would be at the top of your list to form the foundations of human health or in other words a human first approach so it is moving average. I think that's a big one that I would say just because I've seen how powerful it is. So take that concept of moving average and apply it to everything you do. So the idea that you don't need perfection to make progress, all you need is consistency. So over the week of your overall moving averages in the positive and then great, you know, maybe you did two out of your four workouts. Um, you know, maybe you didn't eat great, but you still got some wins in there. It's, it's basically looking for, just look for the small wins on a daily basis and not underestimating those smallest wins, understanding that that adds to that moving average. And over time, that is what's going to get you the results. So if you're always looking for those 1% in whatever area, then you're going to come out on top. On the opposite end of that, if you're just looking for big wins and then when you can't 
um, achieve them, you just throw it out the window, you're just going to stay in that negative. Um, because life is never going to be perfect. You're never going to have the perfect circumstances um, that you think you need to make that progress. It just doesn't exist. So just remember moving average and apply that to everything you do. Look for those small, simple wins. Awesome. So I will put all the links to the website as well in the show notes uh, as normal. And Simon, thanks very much for joining me today. I massively appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Pleasure. Thank you for joining myself and Simon for another episode. To find out more about Simon's work, head to the links in these show notes. And to support the podcast, please check out the show sponsors, as well as subscribing, rating and sharing, all of which is massively appreciated by us both. See you on the next episode.